Hello, and welcome back to Season 2 of NRI Woman, the show where we chat with women of Indian origin living abroad. We're so glad you're listening again. I'm Lenora. And I'm Bettina. We hope in sharing these stories, you will be inspired, learn something new, or know you are not alone in some of the struggles you face. We have an exciting season lined up for you, conversations with some incredible women you don't want to miss. To kick off our season, we're conversing with Caroline Montero, who has a very unusual and unique story. She was born in Uttar Pradesh, a northern state in India, but at the tender age of eight, she got lost in the city of Mumbai, which then led her to an orphanage from where she was adopted and raised by a family in Mumbai. She's here to share her incredible story of how she landed from the streets of Mumbai to Dubai, which also happens to be the name of a biographical book. So what does she remember about her biological family? First memory, like after I left my village, like when I think back always, which reminds like first memory was like my father returning from Bombay. And then that was the greatest joy for me, seeing father at home and like, you know, and after that, used to be at home and then celebrating it together with all the cousins, families and all that. It was like for my very heart, very close to my heart. And I keep remembering that again and again. Like it keeps coming in my mind even till now. So that is very close to my heart. She celebrated Eid growing up. That's because Caroline was born into a Muslim family with four other siblings. An older sister, two younger brothers and a younger sister. And she was known as Nusrat back then. She remembers her childhood as a happy time in her life. Her father ran a successful business in what was called Bombay back then, while her mother raised Nusrat and her siblings in a small town of Uttar Pradesh. She recalls this time very fondly. She would spend her days playing in the fields with her friends, eating fresh produce that was available in abundance, and for the large part, living a carefree life. One day, her father returned unexpectedly from Mumbai. She was too young to understand all of it, but she knew something had changed. Her father's business had gone bust and he had returned home with unpaid debts. He was determined to pay them back. However, the resources available in the small town were limited. What was once a life filled with abundance turned to one of scarcity and uncertainty. It was during these tough times that Nusra developed an eye infection and due to financial difficulties, they couldn't afford cure for her in the small town. It was during this time that her aunt from Mumbai, who happened to be visiting them, made an offer they couldn't refuse. So she told my parents, like, you know, she can take me to Mumbai and get me, like, you know, cured all my eyes, get me treated, everything. And then again, she was having tailoring business and all. So she said, I can learn their tailoring and all. Because she also knew our situation were not very good financially. So my mother agreed for that. My father was not keen in sending me, but my mother agreed. And she made me understand if I go there, like things will become good. I can learn, become independent and all that. So that's how I came with her to Mumbai. And her first impressions of the city when she arrived? Actually, I was having the mixed uh, feeling like, you know, one side was like I was going away from my village, missing all my friends, families, and another one was like excitement of seeing the new city, like we used to hear a lot about Bombay that time. So that was when my aunt's daughters were there with her. They used to tell me so many stories about Bombay. 
so that was the excitement okay i want to go and i want to see like you know so i had a mixed feeling but once we arrived in bombay i was completely lost in that like you know i was so thrilled <laughs> everything buildings cars people everything was so different from village mumbai the big city sat at the opposite end of the spectrum from where nusrat had come over the next few months the excitement soon turned to disenchantment the place was different the food was different the people aliens but most of all she was away from her family whom she missed the most nusrat had expected to be back with her family in a couple of months but mumbai in western india was far away from her town in northern india and there was no easy access between the two places in the 70s the plan that her aunt had agreed to with her parents was to bring her back after one year with her eyes successfully treated by now nusrat was enrolled in a local school by her aunt i can say she tried her best to you know whatever way she could help me by putting me to school but then in the school also she was not able to give me uniform and like you no know, though it was a government school but at least uniform and all was required from your side and she already had her five six children like you know so the teacher is to tell me to get the uniform and all and then they were not buying the uniform not proper books anything so that is to like you know make me feel very bad in front of other children and then i told her i don't want to go to school and she was just fine with that she said okay you can just uh, do the tailoring work i will teach you like you know so that's what i started doing having given up on school she continued working to help her aunt in tailoring and other businesses they used to supply milk bottles those days so she started sending me with her daughter to do that also finally i only got into that and i she gave me all the responsibility to me like you know once her daughter got married so i started going to the people's place take the i mean supply the bottle in the morning then in the evening you go collect the bottles bring it back and then again after coming home again go and deliver to everyone's house come back then start doing the housework start doing the tailoring work so that was the routine for me and then since i started taking the money in my hand i started little bit gambling with that because i had a habit of like you know in village we had to eat a lot of things and here like everything was very constrained like you know you can't eat freedom was not there to whatever is given here to it so that was for me something as a child very attracting so okay money is there in my hand so ek rupaye ka do rupaye ka you just take something and that started that became the habit for me and then money started falling short so what would you buy i basically banana and eggs were my was <laughs> those days banana was like my favorite fruit even boiled eggs but then one find what happened was that uh, i really robbed the money from one other person's house where i had gone to drop the milk and his wife caught me that day <laughs> and i knew then finish of it like you know and it happened the same what i expected they came home and they told my aunt and that was the end of it they hit me so badly in front of everybody insulted me and then her son what he did was like he hanged me upside down you know in the house that was very interesting so she threatened me that when she goes back to my village i mean she will tell my parents like you know 
what all i have done i am a robber i am a cheater and what all things he was telling me and that really hit me i was totally broken and i thought i cannot go like this to my parents like no you cannot put them down like this and i didn't know what will be their reaction and all and how will i face them like this you know i just wanted to go away from that house like you know and i didn't think what will happen the next i just went away from their house whatever close i was and uh, went to one lady's house on the way and i asked her 5 rupees and she asked for what you need i said uh, auntie want you know even that time i had no money i don't know where to go and i only remember one bus where her daughter had taken us for each shopping you know so that bus stand i knew so i just straight away took the money i went to the bus stand and got in the bus and i just said the last stop I didn't know where was it taking me. So when I went there, everybody got down. I got down. After that, I just didn't know where I am. What people were saying is a bindi bazaar and some market like that only. So that's how I landed up there. So I just kept roaming on the around the shops and all like you know, because that was all very attracting for me as a child. But then I didn't realize that you know, this is not. after some time is going to become a night and where i am going to go and i didn't know which area my auntie stays like you now what it is called because they have never taken me out anywhere dog i started going to the buildings this i kept knocking like you know and said uh, i told them the truth i have ran away from my aunt's house i don't know how to go back so can i stay in your house i will do your work but everybody started shutting the door because people don't know no what it is actually and then i started crying and just said near one shop i started crying one old beggar lady was there she saw me cry and she just hugged me said why are you crying like that i said i missed my way i don't know how to go back and all she said don't worry i'll take care of you and she just took i mean really pampered me she took me in her arms and kissed me and all that whatever food she had she gave it to me to eat and she made me to sleep on her like you know one bed she she was having said she put me on that it's a quite old lady she was and that gave me lots of comfort like motherly comfort and i was very okay i, I it did not struck me that she is a beggar and i'll end up uh, staying with her means i'll also become a beggar but for that moment what i needed was comfort and the next morning she took me around with her everywhere and then all the shop people they used to see of course they can make regular this beggar and this child is different right so they started asking her like you know whose child is this like you know and she said my daughter's my son's uh, child it is like that then she also started getting little bit fearful said uh, she said i cannot keep you with me because the police is behind me so if they found out that uh, i mean you are not my child or my son's this thing then i'll be in problem so better you go from here so she just took me from there and left me somewhere in the middle of the market she said don't worry somebody will take you and you'll be fine and she left oh my god that was the only my support and she just left devastated 7 year old nusrat roamed the streets not knowing what to do next soon it was evening hungry helpless and frightened Little Nusrat sat on the edge of a road and cried until her man came to her. He offered to take her home to his family. 
she was relieved that someone noticed her. He fed her and took her to a footpath on the edge of a road where she saw people asleep. He told her this was his home and the people sleeping there were his family and this would be her new home too. This is not what she had expected. She was overwhelmed and tired and decided to go to sleep. When I was just sleeping and it was maybe dark but the street lights were still there and I could feel this man on top of me like you know and I could you know what is happening to me like that age I don't know what to react to it and he, I could feel that he's touching me everywhere and he's fully naked. I said what I just screamed and he said don't scream here no all my people only. I'm just loving you and like that and all like this. So I said, no, it hurts me. Don't be on me like that and all. I just tried to do this thing. I don't know it was God's mercy or what it was. He just went away from there. And that crying, crying, I went off to sleep. I don't know what happened in the night. Next day morning again, I saw all these people on the road only washing their faces, washing their this thing. One of the ladies, she combed my hair. She said, don't worry. Here we all are same. We are big. We go collect kachras and all that. This is how we live when you also will live like us only. Living a life on the street as a rag picker terrified Nusrat. However, that was not the plan the man had for her. The next morning, the man told her she was going to stay at a lady's house who was going to take care of her, feed her and give her a place to stay. Nusrat was relieved to be off the streets, away from the man and in a house that was owned by a lovely and well-presented lady. She was happy to have a new home and was too innocent to know it was a brothel. As Nusrat says, God protected her again. The lady had taken Nusrat to look after her two-year-old daughter and had lived in a section away from the other girls. Nusrat was given new clothes and was served delicious food. And the madam, as Nusrat calls her, took Nusrat with her all over Bombay. She would see strange men come in and out of the house all day, but she didn't think much of it. She was happy. Over a period, the madam got more comfortable with Nusrat. She enjoyed the freedom of going out of the house alone, something the older girls weren't allowed to do. It seemed like a perfectly likable life. She was clothed and fed. Her chores included playing with a young child and occasionally cleant another apartment that the madam owned in a fancy part of town. Nusrat now had a routine. During the day, she would play with the child and then two or three times a week go to the other apartment, clean it and then go to sleep in the kitchen with the doors locked. She would be woken up in the middle of the night and be dropped home with her madam by the men visiting the house. The routine continued. The other girls kept telling her to escape, but she paid no attention to them. She was happy until one day. One day what happened that her daughter was troubling me too much. And she pulled my hair and like, no, too much irritating me and I couldn't bear it. So I just slapped her. And her mother saw that. And that's what they were saying. And she just gave me two, three slaps. Said, how dare you to you know, beat my child like that, my grandchild and all. And when that lady came back, she made a big story of it and told her also, she also started beating me like anything, like, you know. She said, I kept you for my daughter and you're beating my daughter and all that, like, you know. So that was very bad, very bad hitting she gave me. So that day also that girl was telling me, like, you know, Morning only she had told me, you go from here, you go from here, like, you know, and with other girls also used to support her, like, you know, you go, our life is not good here, like that, she used to tell. But it never struck me, why they're telling like that, you know. So, that day, I thought, in my mind, if today if she sends me to go to her house, 
I will go away only from there. I will not go to her house. And leave she did. Nusra escaped from the house that night with nothing. Only a beautiful bed sheet she thought could provide some shelter. She ran away from the building as fast as she could. With no plan and exhausted, she saw some people sleeping on a path around the park. She laid her sheet and slept too. The next morning, she woke up to the sounds of children playing in the park. She was hungry and tired. I saw the lady sitting there selling fruits and also I just told that lady, can you give me guava like that? She said, you have money? I said, no, then I cannot give, she said. I said, I have a bedsheet. If you want to take, you can take this and you give me the guava. She took the bedsheet. And with that, Nusrat had given the only thing she had in the world away. It was at this point that Nusrat's life changed. She had nothing left, nowhere to go, and the reality that she may never find her family sunk in. She sat under a tree, crying like she hadn't before. And a man was napping on a bench next to her who heard her. He asked her how he could help, and she told him she was lost and wanted to go back to her family. The man said to her he would take her to his family for now and promised to find her her family. This man kept to his word and ended up taking Nusrat to his family, and they welcomed her with open arms. They bathed, clothed, fed her, and showered her with love and affection. For the first time in a long time, she felt like she was home. They wanted to adopt, but the legal system meant this was not possible. She was absorbed into the system and ended up at an orphanage from where she wished she could be adopted. She chose to be adopted in the hopes of building a better future for herself. First couple came to adopt me, they were I think somewhere from Switzerland or somewhere, foreigners. And I was seeing first time some foreigners like that and they came in shorts like that. <laughs> <laughs> when they called me in the office, the Maushi brought me in the office, these people straight away took me and put me on their lap. And that was so like, you know, uncomfortable for me and fearful also. I just cried and ran away from there. <laughs> I did not want to sit there at all, like, you know, so they did not force me. And then came one Marathi family, I mean, Marathi couple, very young couple they were. And then again, they called me. And the first look only of that lady, I mean, I was like, you know, attracted towards her, like, you know, she was looking very loving, very kind. And then Madam made me understand, I mean, introduced her or anything. And they said they're interested to take you as a help to them. Like, you'll be with this uh, Didi, like, because she was also young. You can call her Didi or like that. And you can be with her because she's alone. I mean, she's not very keeping in good health and also they want someone to be with her all the time. So she'll take care of you and send you to school, get you married, all that. I mean, all the big picture they gave me like that, you know. Then I was okay. Okay is probably the word that best described her life after being adopted. Anju Didi and her husband Dada accepted Nusrat as part of their family. However, Dada's mother did not. She saw Nusrat as the maid and treated her that way. Also, Dada's mother was a devout Hindu, and the fact that Nusrat was Muslim would not sit well with her. So before taking Nusrat to introduce her to the rest of the family, Nusrat's name was changed to Aruna. Not officially, but that's the name she was known as in her adoptive house. Life was not easy for Aruna growing up with her foster family. While she had a comfortable experience with Anjadidi and Dada, they lived for a few years with Dada's parents as a joint family. Dada could not take any decisions for himself as he didn't work and his expenses were taken care of by his parents. And life at the family house was anything but easy for Aruna. 
She did all the household chores, went to school, and lived in an environment that was not peaceful due to family disputes. Still, compared to a future that faced Nusrat, had she stayed with the beggar lady, the rag picker, or at the brothel, life as Aruna was far safe and sheltered. And so as Aruna, she grew up to be a young lady, completed her school, and decided to do a course as a beauty consultant. After completing her internship, she got an opportunity to work in Dubai as a beautician. As scary as the thought was of moving to a new country, Aruna was excited about the prospects of being independent and finally living life on her terms. She took the offer and went to Dubai for the first time in 1991. I was very happy actually because the sense of freedom was very different because what I had seen in that house was always, as I said, lots of clashes and this was totally different for me and I am so independent and Madam had given us good house also, like in a big house it was for girls, we were sharing in one room, three girls, it was very good. And I could go wherever I want to do, whatever I want to do like that, but then at the same time, I was not that uh, outgoing person also because since I have grown up with that limited uh, circumstances, so I didn't know anything outside world much. So these friends and all, and all were from Goa and I was the only one, the odd one. <laughs> And the feeling of being the odd one out stayed with her. Aruna found that she could not adjust to her new life in a new country. She had lived her entire life where she was told what to do. And now she could do what she wanted. The problem was she didn't know what she wanted. And without that clarity, the freedom meant nothing. She felt trapped and longed for the familiar environment of Mumbai. By this time, she had developed a good relationship with Anju Didi, Dada, his brother and the brother's wife, Vahini. She wanted to go back, so after a year in Dubai, she resigned from her job and was on her way back to India. But before that, there was one last party to go to. Then one of my colleagues, it was her birthday, and her uncle was staying in Dubai, and his anniversary was there. So he decided a party to give for her niece and call all her friends and all like that. So she invited me. She said, since you're going back, at least once you come with us like that. So all other girls also forced me now, why are you saying no now, where we will meet and all that. So with that intention, I went to that party. And after going there, like you can see so many people there, so many boys are there. So they're dancing, drinking and all that. I said, what's happening here? <laughs> so I just sat near the table in one chair, one side, just taking Pepsi in my hand and sitting there. So one boy he comes and just stands beside me and he tells i am kiran like you know come and dance with me i said no way <laughs> i said no 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 i cannot do anything then he went and then he kept coming again and again like you know to come and dance why you're sitting alone like that and then he just pulled me for dance <laughs> and i just stamped on his feet and all that i don't know with all that nervousness and all that I'm not able to mingle with all of them. That first dance with Kiran was the first time in her life that Aruna had ever danced with a man and the next time she danced was on her wedding day with Kiran. Only this time, not as Aruna, but as Caroline. Before she could marry Kiran, his family suggested she become a Christian so their children could be raised in a common faith. She considered this and thought it was the right thing for her to do. And so, Aruna became Caroline, or Carol as she's lovingly known. 
a name chosen by Kiran. And so, from being a child Nisrat in a small northern Indian town, to a young girl Aruna in Mumbai, to a woman in Dubai, Caroline has come a long way. She has built a life for her that 8-year-old Nusrat never thought was possible while being on the streets of Mumbai. Even though Nusrat had some details about her family, she didn't have enough to help the police help her find her family and unite her with them. She was lost in the 70s when connectivity and access were limited. Her search for her biological parents continues and she hopes to find them one day. Book, of course, this was last mile from childhood. I'm from the time I'm lost. I don't know what has happened back home, like, you know. So, once my life was stabilized, like, okay, I was adopted and all. And from that time, I had that interest, okay, I want to write. Because through writing only, I can find my family. Otherwise, there was no other way. Yeah. But then I got busy again with life, children, marriage, everything. And then... Life went on a lot of ups and downs. I got busy with that. But this was always behind my mind. I want to write my book, my story for the whole world to know, like, you know, the unique story. And then I read one book, something was called Purpose Driven Life. And in that he says, you have to make known your story to the world. Like, you know, it should not die with you. Caroline wants her story to be known to the world through her book, From the Streets of Mumbai to Dubai, and through this podcast. There's so much more to her story than what we've covered here like the fact that she's a gifted learner, excelled at academics, and even won second place at an inter-school elocution competition, one of her proudest moments, or the fact that she traveled two hours each day to get to school and she didn't give up. She pursued and she continued through it all. We don't know how. That way I will always say that I was very blessed, that I was having always a very positive mind. No matter what was happening to me or what people did to me, I always saw good things in them, like, you know, even that my baby's mother-in-law, even though she treated me bad, but always thought that a good part of her. So that was my, like, growing up that way also. And I always counted my blessings. I never counted my suffering. So that kept me always going. So I want to tell people, like, you know, even though, of course, I had all the bad experiences in life, God has taken very good care of me. And there are a lot of wonderful people. If you read my book, you'll see so many people are there who came in my life. It's amazing how good the people are. So I never looked what bad happened to me. I always looked what good happened to me. I could have become a prostitute. I could have become a beggar. I could have ended up living on that footpath. Today I see so many things are happening. Rape, case, what all things. God protected me from everything. And I want to tell this, that God is there. And there are good people in the world, no matter what is happening around, you know, there are good people. We think Caroline is an incredible woman and her story, tragic yet beautiful. What advice does she have for those who believe they are in a hopeless situation? Don't ever give up, no. As long as you have a breath in you, it means there is a hope. I always believed in that and God has not done with you like, you know, there is something best will come. And my life is the best example, I feel, not only from my childhood, even till today. So I'll tell all those people, if they're facing anything in life, you know, first thing, like, we have to turn to God. Within ourselves, no, be calm, don't panic when situation hit. Situation are bound to happen, like, you know, unwanted things will come to our life. But don't panic. This is what I do. I always 
become very calm and I go inside of me, I talk to God like, you know, this is the thing, what should I do, like, you know, show me the way and be humble to like, you know, tell your problems also, try to take the help. Many people suffer because of the ego problem. They don't want to share their problems with them, which is not with me. I always feel when we are as a family or friends, we should always share if you have problems like that. The help comes from so many places. So you should be able to humble yourself and share your things like, you know, the help will come. And regrets. Does she regret anything? Except for my education, I did not regret for anything. What has happened, I feel my life was a big adventure, like, you know. Though it was tough, but it made me a, made me a very, very strong person. And today I'm in a position that even I can counsel and the big, big people. There's so many women come to me and whom I can give how to bring up their children, their, how to manage their life, especially their relationship with their spouses, with their in-laws. And they, it brings lots of changes in their life, you know. So I'm very glad that what I have become in this process of my life. So really I have no this thing to rewrite except that I miss was my education. Because I was also very good in studies, but I couldn't continue my study. That's one thing I always miss. In our eyes, she's indeed a superstar. She has come through on the other side and is continuing to push through tough circumstances. So what is she most proud of? First of all, my daughters, that who they have become in the process. So wonderful daughters. I mean, I cannot express like, you know, what they mean to me. They're such a nice children to me. And uh, secondly, what God has made me, what my life has turned out. And today my life can be used for so many people, you know, people who lose their hopes, who think there is no one for them. They have to just look my life and they get like, you know, encouragement and all. So I'm very proud of my life for who I have become. We all need something to hold on to. Something that gives us the confidence that we can go on even when things don't go the way we want them to. For Caroline, it's her faith in God. She believes it may not be going the way she planned it, but it's going exactly the way God designed it. And she's happy with it. Join us again next time for more inspiring stories of NRI women. If you'd like the show, please recommend us to a friend and don't forget to rate us. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please email us at hello at nriwoman.com or look us up on Twitter at nri underscore woman. Stay tuned for highlights from the next episode at the end of the show. You can see and learn more about the amazing women we chat with on our Facebook page or website www.nriwoman.com. I'm Nanora. And I'm Bettina. Until next time. Keep learning, keep inspiring, and be kind. Next week on NRI Woman. Uh, I think they should first ask themselves why they want to adopt, you know. Um, like I, I know fr friends who have not had children, they want to adopt. And there are friends who have a kid and who have adopted. So there are, there are both. And also, I met couples who would be like, oh. New episodes come out every Monday. Make sure you subscribe.